Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Blog the Demon. When we last left off, I got the episode 13 of Blog the Demon. I had a place to Why did the demon not recognize The blade cleanly separates Gregory's head from his body. The ancient spirit is released, unable to ever return to corporeal form. Magdalene is swept up into a vortex of rage. Gregory's spirit propels her around the room, slams her against the walls, crashes her body through the window. Terrified she will lose her head, she summons the physical strength in Tom's body to escape. Grabbing hold of the door, she swings it open and rushes out of the room and down the stairs. She hears the door exploding off its hinges as she bolts into the street. The walls of the house are expanding as Gregory's rage grows. The sound is excruciating. Covering her ears as she runs, she sees a small tornado-like shape moving away from the house in the opposite direction. She knows it is Samir. The structure is stretched beyond its limit, and the entire thing is blown apart. Bits of priceless paintings rain down on Magdalene's head. Chunks of gold and silver litter the street. Then there is silence. Shaken, Magdalene returns to Tom's apartment. She has eliminated one obstacle from her path towards the key. Aware that the news of what she has done will travel quickly, she plans on leaving the country the following day. Shedding the clothing hanging in tatters from her body, she heads for the shower. The steaming hot water electrifies her nerves. She begins fantasizing about Alexandra. The woman she despises is helpless, begging her for mercy. The scene playing out in her head leaves her aroused, unsatisfied. Dressing quickly, she leaves the apartment. Wandering the streets, she searches for a partner, sniffing like a hound on the prowl. Finally, she encounters a luscious redhead. She smiles at Magdalene. Magdalene takes her arm and begins guiding her back to the apartment. Hey, hold on, big guy. Don't you think maybe we should have some dinner, get to know each other? Magdalene stops, pulls the woman towards her, and kisses her, leaving her breathless. All right, let's do it your way, she says, barely able to speak. Magdalene is undressing the woman the instant the apartment door closes behind them. Carrying her into the bedroom, she tosses her on the bed and undresses slowly while the woman watches. God, you are gorgeous. Those muscles, the woman whispers. Magdalene only smiles as she climbs on top of her. Using the woman's body to satisfy herself, she twists her around like a rag doll. The woman begins to cry, pleading with Magdalene to take it easy, but that only excites her more. She pictures Alexandra's face as she mercilessly abuses the woman. When she is finished, the woman is unconscious. She dresses the woman in some of Alexandra's clothes and carries her into the street, leaving the body at the curb as if she is nothing more than a bag of trash. Within hours, Magdalene is on a plane headed for England. Jake understands what has happened to him. 
A demon can't escape love unscathed. His powers are weakened, but he is still a formidable force. Convinced Tom is the one who stabbed Alexandra, making him the one responsible for her absence, Jake is tempted to confront him immediately. Instead, he fights the urge and returns home. Aaron is absent, undoubtedly involved in some debauchery. Jake momentarily envies his servant. He wonders what Aaron thinks about the recent changes in his master's character. Climbing the stairs to his bedroom, he envisions Alexandra, the way she looked the first time they met. She was dressed all in black, turtleneck, leggings, boots, long jet black hair cascaded over her shoulders. Her face was startling, like a tiny cameo mounted on a field of velvet. He approached her cautiously, afraid if he startled her, she would bolt like a frightened animal. He quickly learned her diminutive form contained a woman of great depth and power. Realizing he could easily lose himself in her, he still made the choice to stay. As she's missing, she could be anywhere in the world. How am I ever going to find you, he thinks. He hears Aaron arriving home. Aaron sees his master on the stairs and asks about Alexandra. She's gone, Aaron. No one knows where. I'm sorry, sir. Is he ill? Just call me Jake. While having breakfast the next morning, Jake hears the news about Gregory. The report mentions a tall blonde man who was seen fleeing her house, moment, fleeing the house moments before it exploded. They are asking anyone with information to call the police. Jake considers phoning his friend, Detective Thibodeau. However, he is reluctant to put himself back on the policeman's radar. He feels certain Tom is the man they are searching for. He knows no human could have done what Tom had been able to do. He wonders what spirit is using Tom's body. Aaron brings Jake more coffee. Grab yourself a cup and join me, Jake tells his longtime servant. Momentarily taken aback, Aaron recovers and joins Jake at the table. Seated across from his master, Aaron feels emboldened to ask, What's going on, sir? Jake, I was wondering when you would ask. There has been a change in my situation, thanks to Alexandra. She's gotten into my blood. I'm afraid I've fallen in love with her. Aaron tries out unsuccessfully to suppress a smile. That amuses you, Jake asks. No, Jake, it pleases me, Aaron replies. Uh, I guess it serves me right. I've infected thousands of unsuspecting humans and non-humans in my lifetime. Now I understand the torment I must have caused them. Love doesn't always mean torment, Jack. Jake. In fact, it can be quite the opposite, Aaron replies. Yes, well, enough of that. I want you to know you're free to go if you choose to. Startled, his master would suggest such a thing. Aaron replies, I wouldn't think of leaving you. My life as your servant is a comfortable and happy one. I'm glad to hear it, Jake says. I'd like you to pack our belongings for an extended trip. I'm not sure where we'll be going, so pack for all climates. I'll be closing up the house for at least several months. Are we going to look for her, Aaron asks. No, we are going to find her, Jake replies. Aaron nods in agreement. Do you mind if I ask you something? It's about Caitlin. Of course I don't mind. What do you want to know, Jake asks. Why did you go along with Caitlin's plan to murder her husband and frame Alexandra for it, Aaron asks. Shaking his head as if to dispel the bad memory, Jake answers. 
I was afraid if I didn't go along with her, she would find someone else, someone who would gladly murder Alexandra. I felt she had become infatuated with the idea of murdering her husband and running off with his money. The police said she had large amounts of antidepressant in her system when she died. Was that you? Yes, I gave her an injection while she was still asleep, enough to make her very groggy, but not kill her. I had enough control to force her to write the letter, confessing to the murder, but my power was slipping. I expected them to arrest her that morning, and my plan was to visit her in the jail cell and finish the job. I honestly don't know what caused her to collapse the way she did, but she had been acting very strangely. Maybe she was ill. Is it possible she was possessed, Aaron asks. I never thought of that, but it is an interesting theory. I suspect there is an entity in possession of Tom. Maybe it's the same one, Jake says. It could be when the entity left Caitlin, she collapsed. That's when it went in search of another host and found Tom. I don't know why I didn't see this before. It would also explain why I was losing control of her. Where is Tom now, Aaron asks. He's probably at his apartment. Maybe I should pay him a visit, Jake answers. Just watch yourself. Remember what happened to Gregory, Aaron advises. Jake nods and assures Aaron he will be careful. Returning to his demon form, he leaves the house. Approaching Tom's apartment, Jake spies what appears to be a discarded pile of clothing on the curb. Recognizing one of Alexandra's blouses, he feels a moment of terror. He approaches the pile and realizes that it is, realizes it is a strange woman, unconscious and wearing Alexandra's clothing. Picking her up, he kicks in the door of Tom's apartment, prepared to confront him. The apartment is empty. He carries the woman into the bedroom and sets her down on the bed. Going back into the kitchen, he gets a glass of water to try and revive her. He returns to the bedroom and finds the woman awake. She is huddled on the bed, clutching her knees, trembling furiously. Please, please don't hurt me anymore, she says. Jake holds out the glass, saying, I'm not the one who hurt you. I'm just bringing you a glass of water. Please don't be afraid. Where is he? The woman asks in a terrified voice. If you mean Tom, I don't know. He isn't here, Jake tells her. Please let me go. I won't tell anyone what happened, the woman pleads. Don't be silly. Of course you may go and tell anyone you want what happened. I'd like nothing more than to see that son of a bitch in jail, Jake tells her. So you're not his partner? You're not going to rape me too, she asks. No, as I said, you're free to go, Jake says. I would like to ask you a few questions before you leave. All right, she says. Did he say anything at all about why he did this to you? He didn't say, but he kept calling me Alexandra and asking me to beg for my life. I did, she tells him. I don't think he'll be coming back. I'm going to go into the living room and see if I can find anything that indicates where he has gone. If it will make you feel better, close and lock the door behind me, Jake says. Thank you. I'm not afraid anymore, she says. Jake goes into the living room to search. The woman heads for the bathroom, leaving the bedroom door open. He can hear the shower running. For one second, he considers joining her. She is very beautiful. Then he thinks of Alexandra and continues to search. Finding nothing, he is about to leave when Tom's phone rings. The person on the other end says she is calling to confirm his reservation at Brown's Hotel in London. He tells the woman, 
They'll be there as planned. Returning home, Jake is discussing his plans with Aaron when they hear a strange sound, like millions of birds singing with one voice. In the midst of the music, a shape appears. It is Samir. Recognizing Gregory's servant, Jake asks, What can we do for you, Samir? I'm sorry to intrude, but I need to ask a favor of you. I know you have great power, and I would like you to use that power to help me find the one who destroyed Gregory. I was genuinely fond of Gregory, and I can't let the guilty creature go unpunished. Do you know who did it, Jake asks? Yes, it was a witch named Magdalene. She's using the body of a human man, but I recognized her immediately. Samir tells him, I believe I know the man she is using as a host. His name is Tom, and if I'm correct, I know exactly where he, she is, Jake says. Then tell me and I will destroy him. I'm afraid I can't let you do that, at least not yet. I need to find out what Magdalene knows about Alexander's whereabouts first, Jake explains. He asks Samir to tell him about Magdalene. I have heard the name. I know very little about the witch. Samir explains Magdalene, like Lucian and Lorelei, is an elder. He tells Jake the three of them had been very close in their early days. Magdalene loved Lucian, but he only felt love for Lorelei. Magdalene comforted herself by entering into a relationship with Gregory. Samir continues, Lorelai was not willing to devote her life to one man. As the centuries passed, Magdalene watched as Lorelai broke Lucian's heart over and over again. And I think that's it for this week. If you want to pick up a copy of the book, you can go to my website, oceansending.com, or Amazon, or Barnes & Noble. And I hope you're enjoying it, and we'll tune in for the next episode.